Well, it was only 15 years old around the time we took a trip all the way out to BC in one of their amazing, luxurious vehicles. It was boxy, it was boring, but the luxury appeal of this vehicle made me think, hey, this company knows what they're doing. They may have had issues in the past, but they know where they're going. And their new products were showcasing to us some of the most amazing designs of the 90s. But how can this company keep going? Having been number three in the major players in the North American automotive marketplace, could Chrysler Corporation really keep it going? The car when I was 15 was a 1990 Chrysler New York. Yorker Fifth Avenue. Huge car. My best friend who is six foot four could sit in the back of and has tons of leg room. It was a two box design. Boring. Hell, it was the first car I learned how to drive. But you know what? The luxury appeal of that car made me think, this isn't premium. This is luxury. And this is from a company that knows what they're doing. But for how much longer will they be able to get away with what they're doing now? Well, today we're going to take a look at, has Chrysler fallen way too far to be brought back to life? Or can they make it with a resurgence and bring themselves back to life before 2030? Because the time is ticking and Stellantis is not sitting around and waiting any longer. <laughs> Welcome back to the All Looks Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J, coming to you from our main website at autolux.net. If you haven't been there, stop by, check it out, go on to the corporate links websites, go on to the ratings, check out some of our original podcasts from previous times, and if you like it, add yourself onto our email list, sign up for our emails, and find out when new podcasts and new ratings come out from the autolux.net website. The Interlocked Podcast is brought to you by Ecom Entertainment Group and hosted by Podbeam.com. If you'd like to get in touch with the Autolooks Podcast, please email us at email at autolooks.net. So like I said in the beginning, when I was 15 years old, the year before I was about to learn how to drive a car, my dad had a 1990 Chrysler New Yorker. If you've ever seen one of these things, it's a two-box design. Big, it's bland, it's boring. Powered by a V6 that's actually fairly powerful. I don't like to say this out loud, but I and street race once with it and it uh let's just say um my buddy in his grand prix thought he was a little bit faster than me because he had a two-door coupe that old beast of a two-box design actually showed him up the car my dad bought after that was a 1994 chrysler concord the beginning of their cab forward design and what was originally going to be the first rear-wheel drive chrysler product ever since the early 80s Unfortunately, they decided to backstep upon themselves and bring us out a front-wheel drive vehicle. But the Concorde, like the intrepid brother, was just the beginning of where this company was now going in the 90s. But really, where was Chrysler supposed to go in the first place? Walter P. Chrysler had done stints at both Ford and General Motors, and not abiding by their rules and not liking the way they managed and ran their corporation, similar to that of, in the future, Mr. John C. DeLorean, he decided to step away from working from the competition and create his own competitor to these companies. Noticing that Henry Ford had created a luxury division with Cadillac, and now General Motors had moved this Cadillac division to the pivotal of automotive luxury for the average man in the North American market marketplace with only Duesenberg and Pierce Arrow sitting atop that golden pedestal where Rolls-Royce and Bentley on the other side of the pond stood. Chrysler was going to move into both of those staples and Walter P really wanted that vehicle to be top of the line. But with that he was going to need some more help considering the fact that we all know that during the 30s products like Chrysler's and Cadillac's, LaSalle's, Pierce Arrow's, Duesenberg, 
Alex Packards were all going to have trouble making a standpoint for sales. So Chrysler decided to create his own entry-level division with Plymouth and eventually formed an alliance with the Dodge Brothers, two former co-workers and brothers of the Ford Motor Company. The Dodge Brothers were the ones who initially brought the truck template to the Ford Motor Company. Yes, the original Ford Model T truck, sorry to say, is a Dodge Brother idea. But the Dodge Brothers didn't like Henry Ford. Henry Ford ruled with an iron fist, and the Dodge Brothers didn't like that. So they decided to move on to create their own products, joining up with Walter P. to help create the new third. Well, actually, at that time, the fourth American car company, considering the fact that Studebaker and Packer were still sitting higher above the Chrysler Corporation. But Chrysler wanted to do something amazing with his new car company. He wanted to do something similar to General Motors. He wanted multiple divisions to hit every major marketplace. Where Ford was using limited amount of divisions, General Motors had every division hit it in every price point of the marketplace with product ranges. So we had Plymouth, we had Dodge, we had DeSoto, we had Fargo, we had Chrysler, and at the very top tier we had Imperial. Chrysler was it. And they were moving, not fast enough to take over Ford and General Motors and knock them off their high horse. No, not once did they ever really do that. But they eventually took down Studebaker and Packard. And with the fall of Studebaker and Packard, and even Hudson and Kaiser Nash, the formation of American Motors gave the U.S. their fourth American car company, with Chrysler sitting in the number three spot. But by the late 50s and early 60s, Chrysler was actually moving up higher up the food chain past both the Lincoln brand and Cadillac brand, bringing to play their own Imperial top-tier luxury nameplate. The Imperial nameplate would live on all the way to the 80s before finally being shelved due to its bankruptcy and the purchase of American Motors. The Imperial nameplate became a pivotal luxury mark, standing higher than the Cadillac image, with its only competition being that of the Continental brand, which was very short-lived, offset of Lincoln Continentals. Chrysler was becoming the top tier of luxury for American car companies. But that wasn't just it. With the rise of John Z. DeLorean's Pontiac GTO in the 1960s giving rise to the muscle car era, and then the arrival of the Ford Mustang, the pony car and the muscle car, Dodge saw its main standpoint and said, we are going to be the most powerful brand in American performance. And with the release of the Dodge Charger and its soon its Pony Star counterpart, the Challenger, Dodge was here to take on the power. With the Challenger and its stablemate, the Cuda, taking out the likes of the Mustang and Camaro, and the Charger and Charger Daytona, pushing aside the four Torinos, and hell, even the Buick GSXs and Chevelles, Dodge was moving up, and the Chrysler Corporation was becoming the big player. Unfortunately for Chrysler, they put too many of their eggs in big engines. And by the fall of the 1970s, due to the gas crisis, Chrysler was hit with no small car for its market share. This is where Chrysler fell to number four. With AMC having its Pacer and Gremlin, even though they were shitty vehicles, they still managed to hit the mark and make sales contributions to the small car marketplace. Chrysler learned a lesson from the competition on how the competition were now getting into bed with the Japanese. 
Japanese for small fuel-efficient vehicles. Chrysler soon formed an alliance with Mitsubishi to help build Colt products during the 1980s. And with American Motors eventually faltering due to Renault's horrible attributes and poor quality products, the American Motors Jeep brand was eventually snapped up by Chrysler Corporation, giving Chrysler the only dedicated SUV brand automotive marketplace. And with the rise of the Cherokee product during the 1980s, all thanks to that amazing movie, The Goonies, Chrysler was coming back from bankruptcy, utilizing its K-Car platform from both the Reliant, the New Yorker, and the Dodge K-Car. On top of that, the Dodge Caravan and soon-to-be Dodge Shadow and Plymouth Sundance products, the K-Car platform gave Dodge Dodge, Chrysler, and Plymouth all cheap throwaway vehicles similar in context to that that Hyundai and even Toyota and Honda were distributing at that point in time. With the fall of bankruptcy in the 1980s, all due to the takeover of American Motors and the loss in sales due to the gas crisis in the 1970s, Chrysler was falling back. But with a new man in charge, well, I should say two men in charge who knew cars, who knew performance, and knew the automotive industry. Both Carol Shelby and Lee Iacocca were taking the minivan and K-car to its extreme, giving the K-car a limo, sedan, coupe, and wagon versions on top of the minivan, an extended minivan, and soon-to-be entry-level shadows and sundances. The K-car platform helped rebuild the ashes of the Chrysler Corporation during the 1980s. And with the Jeep Cherokee being showcased, the Goonies movie, pushing that product out the door as fast as possible. The one product which could have saved American Motors, the Cherokee, was now in the hands of Chrysler Corporation. Its saving grace, the Cherokee and the K-Car, were breeding new life in this once faltered car company. With soon arrivals of Plymouth Acclaims, Dodge Spirits, Dodge Dynasties, Chrysler New Yorkers, hell, the Fifth Avenues, the Diplomats, Chrysler Corporation was moving up and using quartz versions of the Pentagon logo embedded into the hood, similar to context to both Mercedes and hell, even Rolls-Royce and Bentleys of the time. Chrysler was moving up the luxury platform. Where Lincoln and Cadillac were still known as the big luxury cars that everybody wanted in America, Chrysler was slowly moving out of their premium field and into more of a luxury stand. With the arrivals of the Concorde and the LHS in the 90s, Chrysler again was moving up the luxury food chain. Lee Iacocca, Bob Lutz, and Carol Shelby all helped breed new life into Chrysler Corporation with the Viper, the Prowler, the transport-inspired Ram, and Dakota, the brand new Grand Cherokee, the last of the American Motor product to be released, the one that could have saved it, the Grand Cherokee, was now saving Chrysler. It was giving the Bronco, the Blazer, even the Bronco 2 a run for their money. Chrysler was now on top of their game. They now had a field, a vehicle, moving in to the Neon, the Stratus, the Intrepids, the Cirrus, the Sebring, Concorde, the LHS, and soon enough, the rebirth of the Chrysler 300 nameplate, giving rise to the sport luxury marketplace in the American Chrysler, was bringing the fun back to luxury, showcasing that you didn't have to buy a BMW to have sport-infused luxury. Chrysler was bringing it, and Chrysler was showing us all they can do it. This coming from the same company that owned the town and country, a minivan, a bland, boring minivan. But hell, Dodge still had the caravan, a performance brand with a minivan. And soon with the arrivals of the Dakota, the Ram, the Durango, the Avenger, 
the Neon, the Stratus, the Eagle Talons. Dodge was showcasing to us they had fun, fast cars. They could compete with their American counterparts at Ford and GM. Chrysler in the 90s became the car company you waited for to release brand new products. Where everybody else had cool concepts, Chrysler was showcasing to us some of the most amazing concepts with the Dodge Dakota Sidewinder, the Dodge Copperhead, the Chrysler 300 Hemi C, and hell, even the Chrysler Ronus and Chrysler Atlantic concept vehicles. They were showcasing to us that this was a company moving out of the ashes of where it once was, growing to become bigger and better than it once was. And then, they made the stupidest move they could ever make. Instead of buying out Mitsubishi Corporation to have a Japanese counterpart to build quality product at the entry level, they started selling off their rights to them. They started selling off their ownership in Hyundai. But why? Why were they doing this? They were doing this to get into bed with Mercedes, the original car company, thinking that Mercedes-Benz will bring a new light to the Chrysler Corporation. Bob Lutz thought that getting into bed with Mercedes would really help revive the Chrysler brand and bring it into the future. The year was 1998, and at this point in time, products like the Chrysler Kronos, an extended, premier luxury product from an American brand, was scheduled to go into production. The 300 Hemi C, a competitor to the Mercedes S-Class, was greenlit for production. The Dodge Copperhead was being pushed through to go up against the Miata. And a brand new Dodge Power Wagon, a dedicated Ram product, was about to come out. Bob Lutz decided to sign a deal with Daimler-Benz and Deutsche Zeitsch. Deutsche Zeitsch didn't want Chrysler to build products to compete against Mercedes products. Chrysler was being pushed to the premium field. The Kronos was canned. The Hemi C was canned. The Power Wagon was shelved for now. The Copperhead, not even thought of. We'll give you that small sports car, but we're going to give you the Chrysler Crossfire, built off the previous generation Mercedes SLK. We'll give you the PT Cruiser, a retro-inspired vehicle to go after that retro marketplace you created with the 300. Then we're going to change your Dodge Stratus into the Dodge Avenger. Ugh. We're going to give you a brand new Sebring, which is butt ugly. Ugh. We're going to pull back from releasing a new Neon after the second generation dies out. Daimler was holding back Chrysler. When Chrysler was on the verge of being the car company to set the standard in the world, being the car company that introduced the world to the minivan. Well, we all know the microbus originally did that, but they didn't. They called it the microbus, not the minivan. The Caravan, the company that gave us Jeep, huh, who we were all waiting for a brand new Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer to come out. Mercedes said no. They gave us the Jeep Command. They gave us the Dodge Nitro and super shitty Jeep Liberty. They gave us a Compass and Patriot. They expanded the Jeep product range to go after the new SUV craze that was going on. Smart on them, but Mercedes was also utilizing this for their brand new GL class. The GLK. Mercedes wanted to utilize Chrysler Corporation's products. By creating a second generation Viper, Mercedes-Benz was able to utilize the platform for that to build a brand new SLS AMG for the 21st century. And after Daimler shrunk the Dodge portfolio, shrunk the Chrysler portfolio, and canned Plymouth, stating the fact that the PT Cruiser should become a Chrysler product and not the Plymouth Pronto, 
holding back the Prowler from having a V8. They're not giving us the Pronto Spider to go up against the Miata. Their entry-level brand of Plymouth was kicked to the curb. Now Chrysler was down to three brands from their four. They had no ties with Mitsubishi. They had no ties with Hyundai. They lost Plymouth, and their lineups were shrinking. The second generation for the Dakota was dismal. Third generation for the Dakota was dismal. A bland, boring-looking old man truck. The second generation of the transport-inspired Dodge Ram was bland, boring, and grandpa-inspired. The Chrysler Aspen may have had more chrome on it than the Escalade and Navigator, but that didn't make it look better than the Navigator or Escalade. Nobody wanted it. Well, they were looking at the Infiniti QX45 and it's but ugly design over the Chrysler aspect. Ugh, Chrysler was dying. And Mercedes, even with a few concepts like the firepower, which would have given life to the Viper platform by breeding a tuxedo version for Chrysler, and the ME412, which could have been utilized for a new supercar for Mercedes as well. Mercedes decided to pull the plug in Chrysler Corporation, stripping it of everything that was once good. The only good thing during the Daimler days of Chrysler was the 300 and the Charger, where if you're a true diehard Mopar fan like myself, the Charger nameplate was destroyed. We don't care if the new Charger was a great product. It sold exponentially compared to its predecessor, the Intrepid. It still utilized a name from a two-door performance product from the 60s that everybody loved. Hell, it was the General Lee, and you killed it. Mercedes killed it. The 300 was the only saving grace. And by this time, Daimler was pulling the plug. Chrysler had now been wheeled down to this brand new, horrible looking Chrysler 200 which was based off the previous Zebra and 300 the town and country and the about to disappear Chrysler Pacifica Dodge had no neon they had the caliber which only lived one generation same with the Avenger which replaced the Stratus which was just a cheap brand new version of the K-Car a company that was building quality products in the 90s was now building garbage in the 2000s Chrysler was on its way down and with no one wanting to buy them because they could not be parted up people wanted Jeep and nothing else. Serbia's management group came to help. They bought them out and they helped them go for a couple years until Sergio Mascioni, a half Canadian, half Italian CEO of Fiat Automobiles, who had just managed to use General Motors know-how and finances to rebuild themselves from their ashes, decided to buy out Chrysler Corporation in its entirety. From there, they released a new generation of the 300. They quickly added the 200 saloon-inspired midsize sedan. The Avenger was kicked to the curb, but a new Viper was going into production. A new Charger was coming out. The journey was being pushed through. Hmm. And the thought of a new Challenger was in the future. Jeep was now considering bringing back the, the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. And the Ram Trucks brand was being separated. Where trucks and SUVs were more viable than their car options at Chrysler and Dodge. FCA was now pushing more of the truck SUV marketplace. And allowing Chrysler and Dodge to slip behind. By the time Stellantis was formed, FCA had whittled Chrysler down to the new Pacifica and 300. With only its Canadian marketplace having the Chrysler Voyager, the previous generation of the Pacifica available, Chrysler was now down to two models. Dodge had the Charger, the Challenger, the Durango, and the Caravan. Whereas by the time Stellantis took over, the Viper had been canned. And the Caravan, after 33 years of production, <sighs> was on its way out. The Dodge Caravan was as old as me and was getting the boot. Whereas Dodge was the new performance brand for the Stellantis stable. They wanted Dodge to take over where Pontiac had left off. Dodge 
was performance, and a caravan couldn't be seen. Same with the journey. Only a Durango, a Charger, and a Challenger could be had. And now with the move into the luxury field, and only a new Charger on the way, Dodge only has one vehicle in its market for the future. A two-door electric and internal combustion engine hybrid Charger. Chrysler is about to lose the 300 and only have the Pacifica. Now only having the Airflow, which is convenient because that, that's a name that spearheaded Chrysler's movement back in the 1930s when they showcased to the world aerodynamics can help you save gas. But at a time when gas was cheap, it really didn't bother anybody. It was just an outlandish style. But today's standards is world-taking. Wow. But today, Chrysler only has the Airflow, and it's stable. The Ram brand has both the Ram 1500, Revolution, Rampage, Ram Charger, the brand new ProMaster, with the possibility of a new ProMaster City on its way. Dodge is now even looking into creating a brand new Dakota for the Ram brand. Jeep is pushing out more products. Jeep and Ram have legs to stand. But when Stellantis bought out the FCA, they gave a few divisions a lifeline and stated to them, you have until 2030 to prove to us that you're a viable division for our car corporation. Chrysler is now whittled down to essentially one product. Same with Dodge. The original Chrysler Corporation is now all but gone. With FCA taking the too long to create new products for these divisions, will Stellantis allow Chrysler and Dodge to live past 2030? That's only six years away. Can they make it? With Lancia showcasing at least two new products in their stable about to come out. Fiat about to add Another new product past the 500 and 600, and Opel and Vauxhall being utilized more for their cargo vans in the European marketplace, and even a new entry-level electric vehicles sitting below Peugeot Citroën. They have a leg to stand up. But Chrysler and Dodge, has Chrysler fallen too far to be able to get back on their feet in such a short time? With the loss of products like the Dodge Dart, the Chrysler 200, the Dodge Neon, Dodge Avenger, the Stratus, now the 300, how are they going to make a name for themselves in the future? How is Chrysler going to rebuild itself again from the ashes of where it came from? Is third time really the charm? Or is the third time going to mean the end for Chrysler? In today's standpoint, as we look towards their future, Chrysler really has fallen way too far to come back from where they were. With Chrysler and Dodge being the only two brands in the Stellantis stable given that lifeline to 2030, which today look like they may not make it. Opel Vauxhall are on a right track. Fiat Lancia are moving well. Even Maserati and Alfa Romeo are starting to make a comeback. But with Dodge, can everything fall onto a new Charger, the Hornet, and a possible recreation of the Durango? Can Dodge bring itself back without the caravan? Can Chrysler come back without a new Imperial? Will they be able to make it? Well, in six years, we'll find out if Chrysler has fallen way too far down the rabbit hole. But if you personally want to ask me, Chrysler has rebuilt themselves from the ashes twice before. Unfortunately, the second time they had to rebuild themselves from the ashes, they really got off on a bad foot with a company that ran like molasses. Where the Grand Wagoneer and Wagoneer took over a decade to be released in less than eight months of being purchased by Stellantis, those two products were out into the market. FCA dragged their feet, essentially lining Chrysler and Dodge up to die. Chrysler has fallen way too far, and unless they can utilize one product to build a multitude of new products like they once did with the K-Car platform, Chrysler may not live to see its third coming. And it'll be sad to say that the first car I ever drove may have eventually wind up being from a zombie company. 
I'll miss you, Chrysler, when you're, when you're gone. And Walter P., similar to that, a Sergio Mascioni, was also half Canadian. I've always felt a good place in my heart for Chrysler Corporation, knowing that the Dodge brothers, horse, had married into a Canadian girl's family. Had a camp on Manitoulin Island where he mysteriously drowned, but had major Canadian ties with this Dodge division. Chrysler, with Walter P. being part Canadian, so hard to understand that the only two divisions part of Chrysler Corporation that have any ties to my home country are the only two that may not make it. As it seems, similar to that of how General Motors is trying to kill off the Oshawa plant and the old McLaughlin name, Chrysler Corporation may lose its Canadian heritage as well. Falling way too far down that rabbit hole, Chrysler will need a grand unicorn, similar to that of the Viper in the Ram ditch for Dodge back in the 90s to bring itself back from the brink of destruction. And with only six years to go, let's see if they can do it. So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment about it on any major social feed. Click the like button at the bottom. Like seriously, look down, see the like button down there. Click it. Click like to the autolux.net website, the autolux.net social feeds, or autolux social feeds. Like us to find out more information from the autolux website, the autolux social feeds, and the autolux podcast. Every single week, we release a new podcast. And after you hit the like and after you shared this podcast with all your friends and family who are devoted Chrysler fans, hit on up the Autolux.net website and check out some of our ratings, read some of our reviews, and stop by the Corporate Links website page and help pages to find information that can help you purchase a new vehicle. No, we're not going to tell you to purchase a new Chrysler vehicle, but we will tell you. We have websites on the Autolux.net website which can help you make your purchasing a lot easier. All from the Autolux.net website. The Autolux Podcast has been brought to you by Ecom Entertainment Group and distributed by Podbeam.com. If you'd like to get in touch with Everett J., the host of the Autolux Podcast, or the Autolux team here, email us at email at autolux.net. So for myself, Everett J., the Autolux.net website, strap yourself in for this one fun, could be a little sad job, ride that Chrysler has taken us on. Oh, 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 oh,